This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia launched 12 missiles and two drones at Kyiv as African leaders arrived in the Ukrainian capital to broker peace talks. The rockets were shot down by the city's air defences, according to the Ukrainian Air Force. The African delegation, which includes the presidents of South Africa and Zambia, will meet with Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, before travelling to St. Petersburg on Saturday to meet Vladimir Putin, Russia's president. Ukraine's foreign minister said the attack was evidence that, quote, Russia wants more war, not peace. Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, said that tactical nuclear weapons had been moved to Belarus, with transfers to be completed this year. His Belarusian counterpart, Alexander Lukashenko, made a similar claim on Wednesday, though Western sources point to the country's lack of suitable storage facilities. The announcements come as NATO members are preparing to meet for a summit in neighbouring Lithuania in July. Daniel Ellsberg, an American army analyst who leaked the Pentagon Papers, died aged 92. The classified papers exposed government deception about the Vietnam War. Richard Nixon created a task force to discredit Ellsberg, who was charged with espionage, but those charges were dropped on grounds of government misconduct. Ellsberg maintained his anti-war advocacy over the rest of his life. Binance, the world's largest cryptocurrency exchange, is under investigation from French prosecutors over allegations of, quote, aggravated money laundering and advertising digital asset services before being registered to operate in the country. It is the latest blow for the exchange. America's Securities and Exchange Commission also sued the company on June 5th. Binance said it abides quote, by all laws. Peru's health minister stepped down on Thursday as the country battles a severe dengue outbreak. Roughly 250 people have died from the mosquito-borne infection, with most deaths concentrated in northern Peru. Cases, already numbering about 150,000, are expected to rise as torrential rains boost mosquito populations. Last week, Dina Boluarte, Peru's president, declared a two-month state of emergency across most of the country. Intel, an American chipmaker, will build a $4.6 billion semiconductor assembly plant in Poland as it ramps up investments in Europe. Last year, the company announced plans for a 17 billion euro, 18.5 billion dollar factory in Germany but has since demanded an additional €3 billion, $3.3 billion in government subsidies, citing inflation. Some analysts think the Polish plant, which is the largest greenfield investment in the country's history, will encourage Germany to acquiesce. The International Monetary Fund urged the European Central Bank to further restrict monetary policy a day after the ECB raised interest rates by a quarter of a percentage point to 3.5%, their highest level in 22 years. The IMF said a, quote, sustained period of tightened policy would be needed to ward off, quote, 
persistently high inflation. And word of the week, bakshish, a word meaning bribes in Arabic, which police frequently ask for in Egypt. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Joe Biden's Union Politics On Saturday, President Joe Biden will attend his first political rally since launching his re-election bid in April. His hosts at the Philadelphia Convention Center are a group he has long rallied for, union members. In 2019, Mr. Biden kicked off his campaign for the 2020 presidential election in a union hall in Pittsburgh, another city in the battleground state of Pennsylvania. Within hours of announcing his bid for 2024, the president addressed a construction union. He has hired the granddaughter of Cesar Chavez, a celebrated labor leader, to run his campaign. But not all Democrats are comfortable with cozying up to the unions. The Senate has for months put off approving Mr. Biden's pick for labor secretary, Julie Sue, who, as California's labor commissioner, put in place greater protections for gig workers. Republicans who oppose Ms. Sue have sought to brand her as a radical. Some Democrats, particularly those not running for office in union strongholds like Pennsylvania, seem to be swayed. Phony peace calms the South China Sea A Navy ship is heading home to China on Saturday after a rare visit by Chinese sailors to the port of Manila, the capital of the Philippines. The trip capped a rare period of relative calm in the gray zone conflict between China and the Philippines over control of the South China Sea. This month, Philippine craft resupplied a crucial military outpost there, free from the usual Chinese threats. During times of higher tension, the most menacing device yet wielded by Chinese vessels has been a dazzling laser, but their guns have stayed silent. This is unsurprising. A treaty commits America to defend the Philippines from armed attacks. It may be no coincidence that the relative calm precedes the visit of Antony Blinken, America's Secretary of State, to Beijing on Sunday. China is trying to persuade the world that it can amicably settle its dispute with the Philippines on its own and send a message to America to stay out of the South China Sea, an unlikely outcome. This summer's heat is just the start. On Saturday, Trooping the Color, an extravagant military parade marking the monarch's official birthday, will take place in London. Last week, a video went viral of an army trombonist in full regalia, including a giant bearskin hat, fainting during a rehearsal when temperatures hit 30 degrees Celsius. It was a taste of the future, and not just in Britain. America's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration recently declared the return of El Nino, a global weather pattern that tends to raise temperatures, though not evenly. The consequences of El Nino will not be thoroughly felt until much later this year. But, layered on top of climate change, average annual temperatures are now 1.1 to 1.3 degrees Celsius above pre-industrial levels. El Nino means that the coming years will be scorchers. The more ambitious goal of the 2015 Paris Agreement was to stop the rise of global temperatures from exceeding 1.5 degrees Celsius. The World Meteorological Organization now puts the chance of that threshold being temporarily crossed in the next five years at 66% far higher than ever before. One universe is not enough. In Hollywood's latest superhero blockbuster, The Flash, the title character, Ezra Miller, ventures beyond his own universe into a multiverse of alternate realities. 
In contemporary cinema, this is as routine as walking to the corner shop. Other recent multiverse movies include Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, 2022, Spider-Man No Way Home, 2021, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, 2018, and its sequel, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which came out just weeks ago. In the Oscar-winning Everything Everywhere All at Once, 2022, the multiverse allows characters to ruminate on the moments when their lives change. But most superhero films exploit the multiverse as a geeky excuse to present several incarnations of the same character. The Flash, for example, features both Michael Keaton and Ben Affleck as Batman, or Batmen. There may be countless universes, but apparently few fresh ideas. Weekend Profile Hafiz Gaye Erkan, Turkey's Central Bank Chief when, on June 9th, Hafiz Gaye Erkan was appointed head of Turkey's central bank, she became the first female governor in its history, and, aged 44, one of the youngest. She might also be the first person, joked Zeitung, a Turkish satirical newspaper, whose own assets are more valuable than those of the bank she will manage. Mrs. Erkan was born in Istanbul in 1979. She graduated top of her class from Boazici University, also in Istanbul, with a degree in industrial engineering. Her childhood interests had a practical edge. She brewed Turkish coffee for her neighbors in exchange for computer programming lessons. She sang opera and sold her compositions. After earning a Ph.D. in operations and financial engineering from Princeton, she worked at American banks, spending nine years at Goldman Sachs and another eight at First Republic, where she became co-chief executive before resigning in January 2022. In her new post, Mrs. Erkan has been handed a poisoned chalice. A policy of selling foreign currency reserves to control the exchange rate has depleted the central bank's coffers, and a series of interest rate cuts ordered by Turkey's president, Recep Tayyip Erdogan, has pushed the inflation rate to 40%, one of the world's highest. Only recently has Mr. Erdogan seemed to shift towards a saner economic policy. Mrs. Erkan and Mehmet Simsek, the newly appointed finance and treasury minister, appear to have a free hand to raise interest rates and eliminate some of the capital controls imposed on Turkish firms. The Central Bank's Monetary Policy Committee will convene on June 22nd. An aggressive rate increase would show that Mrs. Erkan has a real mandate to tame inflation and help the lira recover. How long such a mandate can last is unclear. The Central Bank is only as independent as Mr. Erdogan allows it to be. Turkey's leader has now sacked four of the bank's governors in as many years. Pressure on Mrs. Erkan will surely mount as soon as the bitter medicine she prescribes for Turkey's economy starts to damage Mr. Erdogan's electoral prospects. This may not take long. Turkey faces local elections next March. This week's Quiz Winners Thank you to everyone who took part in this week's quiz. The winners, chosen at random, were Maggie Cobble, California, America Peter Nicklin, Naivasha, Kenya Jaime Jean, Mexico City, Mexico They all gave the correct answers of The Many Saints of Newark, Crystal, Supreme Court, Pointer, Spice Islands The theme is all-girl bands All Saints, The Crystals, The Supremes, The Pointer Sisters, and The Spice Girls The questions were Monday what is the name of the 2021 film that was a prequel to The Sopranos TV series? Tuesday, what substance is associated with the 15th wedding anniversary? Wednesday, which body held its first sessions at the Royal Exchange in New York City in 1790? 
Thursday. Which breed, known best for its distinctive stance, is known as a bird dog in the southern U.S.? Friday. What name was given to the Maluku or Maluka Islands by colonial powers because of the valuable commodities grown there? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Muhammad el Baradai. Force does not heal old wounds, it opens new ones. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.